So the Lord is talking about a journey. Uh, as is the custom uh, in the last year anyway in this church, is that we wait and we see what God might be saying to us specifically as a group of people that he is here to meet. Uh, like we're not here by not here by some kind of circumstance of coincidence. Uh, you're here for a reason. And uh, we also believe in this church that God, through his Holy Spirit, is able to speak through people within the congregation and to give through images and pictures. And if you read the Bible, you'll see it done all through the Bible. But that God wants to give you information. He wants you to know what it is you need to know in order to do and be what it is he wants you to be. So that's why it's so important that we let him have time and have the opportunity to speak to us in some way uh, that may not speak to me, but it might speak to you. It might not speak to the person beside you, but it might speak to someone three seats over. God has a wonderful way of hitting everything all at once. He's talking about a journey this morning and about the idea that there is two journeys really we're on. There is the journey of living in the world as we know it, going to work, paying our bills, having relationships, uh, driving our cars, getting groceries. That is definitely part of our existence. It is uh, sometimes the very mundane part of our life. But there's also that other part, that spiritual journey that we are on. Our earthly journey will end, some of us, it will end very soon. Some it might end tonight. Some it might not end for 10, 20, 30 years. But our earthly journey will come to an end. Our spiritual journey will not. That will go on forever. And it is into that journey that Jesus came to speak. He gave us all kinds of uh, life principles on how to live in this time-space world that we're in. Uh, love God with all your heart and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, if, if you do that, you're basically going to make it through, uh, not without problems, but you'll make it through, uh, not to covet and not to be greedy, not to hate, not to murder, not to uh, commit adultery. You, you, God's giving us some basic fundamental uh, rules about how to live here and not really make a royal mess of it. Unfortunately, as you see, we've made a right royal mess of it for the most part. But the spiritual principles that he's giving us today is he's saying, trust the Holy Spirit. We've been hearing so much about that, that obviously in some way in our lives, in some way in how you and I are living, we're not trusting God with our life. And you can tell when we're doing that because we are moving faster than we should be. We are working harder than we should be. We are more worried than we are at peace. We are more rushed than we are in a steady, peaceful gait. This is how we know we're not trusting God. And God has a plan for your life. We've talked about this so many times. And your life isn't over yet. doesn't matter how old you are. It's n I, the world kind of ditches us after a certain age uh, and says, you've served your good. Um, now, can you please go somewhere where we don't have to deal with you? 
as cruel and as hard as that is, that is what a lot of the situation we find ourselves in the world. But it, what's so ironic, as always, God seems to be the opposite to humanity. It is at this time of our lives that you actually become the most important to God. Because you have wisdom, hopefully. You have experience. You have a point of view. You have learned things that are so important. And it's into that kind of time we are right now. And God is saying, I want you to trust me with the rest of your life. And this wonderful picture of the parachute. God has given us the parachute. And the parachute, some parachutes, you can actually control them. You can guide them and you can like swerve around. They're really neat. Um, some, it's just the round one. You just float and land and hopefully you don't land in the ocean. But the parachute is like the Holy Spirit. And there is that willingness to work with the Holy Spirit, to talk to him and he'll talk to you and he'll show you what you should be doing in each situation, show you what you should let go of, show you where you should pull in and where you should let go. This is the stuff that God's speaking about this morning. He's promising you that there is a path, there is a way forward, there is something you're going towards. Your life is not in vain. It is not just a series of uh, paying bills and picking people up and just sitting and watching Netflix. It has actually got some larger dimension to it. And God really wants you to know that today. Your life has a larger dimension to it than what the world would give it significance for. Uh, sometimes we're very easily disposed of by the world. But God created you. He made you the way you are. He created you, and, and this is something we don't understand. Heaven will declare it. It says that we are formed in our mother's womb. There's a scripture that says that. That the Lord put us together in our mother's wombs. And there's a whole bunch of ways that that could raise really big questions. But the fact of the matter is, what it tells us is God knows you. He knows you. He knows the strong parts, the weak parts, the good parts, the bad parts, and the parts that need working on and the parts that need to be released, the parts that he wants to use and the parts that maybe we shouldn't use. He knows all that. And he's saying, trust me. But this cannot happen. We, you know, it's such an elusive thing, isn't it? Trust in God. What does that mean? What does it mean to trust God? What, is it, what does that really mean? I, I, it, it means that in some way we're not going to get freaked out about the future. The whole world is running around. We mentioned this the last couple of weeks, but the whole world's running around their head cut off around coronavirus. And <clears throat> it's, a, it's a wonderful example of how when the world's systems fail, like the medical system in this situation, because they don't know what to do with it. It's not, you can't heal it. Everyone goes running screaming. Most of China is shut down over a virus. And considering that the flu kills around 3,000 people a year in Canada, um, you can just see this craziness that comes over people. We are not supposed to be those people. Because we are, I'm not saying they're bad people, and I'm not saying that 
maybe caution and everything it shouldn't be used. I'm not saying that. But the panic. Do you see the panic? This morning I was listening to the news, and they said that the 12 or so people or 20 or so people that are being quarantined in the Army base up in Ontario, um, the last time I checked one of the Canadian Army bases, it's not the gulag. It's not some dungeon from medieval England. It's a pretty nice place. And they're being put up in the mess and they're having their own apartments and everything's fine. The news report this morning, the second item on the news, was that the people who are quarantined may have long-term traumatic effect from being quarantined. (laughs) That was the second story on a news uh, service that went across the country. If that isn't panic, if that is not looking for something to be scared of, and this is the world we live in, God is saying, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Yes. I mean, and that's, and why should we not be scared? Does that mean we're not going to get sick? Some of us darn well Tootins get sick. There's many people in this congregation dealing with physical ailments and situations that we really wish we weren't dealing with. But it's how we deal with it that makes it different than somebody else. I was in the doctor's office the other day and uh, getting some blood work done just to find out if I'm still alive. I am still alive. And uh, this gentleman was standing in front of the receptionist and said he was of an age and he said the biopsy report, I've already seen it. And the look of panic on his face The whole room stopped. He said, it's not good. It's not good. Complete panic. And I understand that. I'm not making any lightness of that. But what I'm saying is that's not our reaction. God has given us a parachute to have a soft landing into the situations of our life. But it is a parachute that we have to release And we have to say, yes, God will take care of us. And yes, I may have this condition. I may have that condition. I may be facing that bill. I may have lost this thing. But God is the Lord of it all. And he made you in your mother's womb. And I do not believe that God allows you to come up against situations that he has not prepared you to go through and endure and to handle. I don't believe that because it says no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's an Old Testament scripture. But nonetheless, it's saying whatever has been formed against you, and you would be very naive to think that there isn't specific things formed against you. I'm not being victim mentality here or or being crazy. But Jesus was very clear that we have an enemy. Very clear that there is a force in this earth that works to do one thing, dismantle faith. People without faith, just let them go their way. They will come to their own destruction. I'm not saying that with any glee. I'm not saying it with any glibness. But it's people with faith. Those are the people that this force of evil tries to dismantle and tries to take that apart because fundamentally, the devil wants to hurt God. 
And the best way he can hurt, what's the best way to hurt a parent? Through their children. And God is very clear that he sees you as his children. I hope we see him as our father. Because if we don't see him as a father, as a good father, we will never believe the parachute's going to come. We will never believe that there is a future worth waiting for. We will never believe that there is a plan through a difficult circumstance. Sometimes I wonder why God is being so um, repetitive in this message to us. And it's because the world, and I say this with no amount of whoop-de-doo, prophetic, you know, I'm going to write a book. The world is in judgment right now, and it's not going to change. What is happening is going to get worse. And I know there's people that would just shake their head and say that is very negative and it's, it's pessimistic and it's not hopeful in the power of God. There is absolutely nothing in Scripture that should tell us, that tells us, that what we are seeing based on end-time prophecy and, and all those kinds of things, because there are very particular things happening now that absolutely tell us that there is something significant about the time right now. At the turn of the first millennium, uh, everybody thought Jesus was going to come back, and that was a 1,000 years ago now. And when 2000, you know, when it turned the clock again, everybody was, you had the same thing. But there's something different about the time we are living in right now. There is a level of control that evil has There is the capacity to bring about all of the pestilences and the war and the battles that are talked about in Old Testament and New Testament that Jesus said would be the signs of the times. For the first time, we have the ability that the whole world can be controlled economically because all of our financial and all of the world economies are on a digital system now. And we know Bitcoin is a wonderful example where people will go and buy Bitcoin, which is, I won't get into describing it because it is kind of hard to understand how this stuff is, but it's a digital currency that's just in a vault somewhere. It's not a physical thing. It's just a a little thing. It's on a piece of paper that says you own it. And all of a sudden, people are finding that other people are able to get into the computer and take it. And now we're able, the government, if it wants to, can shut you off economically, withdrawing your ability to do economic trade. It's illegal for the government to do that. But what happens when the day that it isn't? So we have the ability for someone like the Antichrist to come along, and I don't know how I get into this, but the Antichrist to come along and actually stop you from doing finance. And... I say all of that to say we are in a time where the world is starting to come apart. And God is saying, for you, I've got a parachute. Unless you want to get so invested in the world, so run ragged by trying to keep your jobs going and your your consumption going and the Costco mentality going and all of that stuff, if that's the world that we want to make our priority then so be it. It will have its ramifications on us. But God is saying, I want you to be a people of the parachute. I want you to be a people that are trusting in the Holy Spirit so that 
when everybody is saying, save your money, we're giving it away. When everybody says, you should run screaming, scared, we stand confident and expectant that God is able to do something with every situation. It's a very important thing that God's saying to us today. That we need to start seeking him. What does it mean to seek and trust God? It means that we are doing, and he left us just a few disciplines about how to do that. He gave us a book. This thing called the Bible. A lot of dispute today about the Bible, about whether or not it is literal, whether or not it, whether or not it has errors in it, uh, whether or not it, it was the right translation is what we're getting, and uh, the word's all right. I can tell you that that book, if you want to really investigate that book, there are some inconsistencies, there are some contradictions, there are some missteps in the dates and the stuff. But the Bible is not a book of science and history. It's telling us about the character of God and his personality and how he feels about you and I and how we should follow him. And what's interesting with uh, when people try to find all these problems with, you know, the book of John doesn't uh, jive with Matthew's account and this Old Testament thing was the wrong date and all that, whatever. What I have said is that God, here's what happens. It seems that those inconsistencies do not bother you. Because wherever this book is spoken, in all of its supposed inconsistencies, guess what happens? God shows up. And he puts his stamp of approval on it. All over the world right now, people are meeting and worshiping God. All over the world right now, there are miracles happening. People are being healed. People are being saved. People are being delivered. People are being raised from the dead in some instances, I'm sure. Who knows what the miraculous things are that God is doing all around the world right now. And the inconsistencies that some people think are in that word don't seem to stop that. So I don't think it should stop us from trusting what's in that and believing what it says. So God said, Get around this word. Start reading it. Start allowing it to change your mind. Allow it to start giving you a different perspective. There are a lot of Christians that never break open a Bible. They just don't. And so God's saying, draw close to me. That's one of the ways we can draw close. The other one is, of course, going to church and gathering with people of faith. And getting together and talking about the things of God, singing about the things of God, thinking about the things of God, meditating on the things of God. And when you do that, all of a sudden you're thinking like God. And you're not thinking in these panicked, desperate, hopeless ways of thinking. So it is the gathering of ourselves together. And then it is prayer, which is the intimate act of love between us and God. It is the intimate act of love between us and God, where you get alone with God. You get alone with him. And it's just you and him. The same as marriage. The intimate act in marriage is alone. It's kind of weird if it's done any other way. You get alone, and it's just you and God. And this is the intimate time between you and God. And 
This is called prayer. And people say, well, what is prayer? Prayer, most of all, is that wonderful freedom to share how you feel and to hear how God feels. This is what it is. It's not some big out-of-body experience. It is that simple process of coming and letting the thoughts come out your mouth or just think them with God and allow that mysterious, miraculous process of God bringing his thoughts back to you. And people think that you're crazy. They say it all the time. They say, God talks to you. That lady that was on The View, such an ignorant thing, and I say ignorant in the sense that she didn't know, but said, it's okay when you speak to God, but when God speaks to you, you're crazy. And, I, and she just took a lot of heat for that, uh, as she well should. Can you imagine a parent who isn't allowed to speak to their child? That for some reason you're born with a child, but you can't speak or communicate? What? That's, not, that's insanity. It would go against everything the Bible says about who and what God is. So, of course, God can speak to us, and he can speak to us through a sunrise, he can speak to us when we walk out, you're coming out of your house at night and you look up and you see the stars and it stops you. God put those stars there so it would do that. So you'd stop and go, wow, like, what is that? Pinholes in the floor of heaven. You know, little, up there is heaven somewhere and there's little pinholes and you can see the light in there. God, so that we would say, who created this? Or you'd look at the sunsets. Or you'd be in a plane flying and look down on the clouds. A sight that really only God and angels saw up until about 130 years ago. And there we are looking down on this incredible creation. It's a beautiful, it's there so that we can interact with God. And, and as the Apostle Paul said, he said, nature actually declares God to us. When you're seeing the beauty of the fall colors, you're seeing God. When you are looking out your window like I did the other day and saw the wonderful ice and the sun coming through it and shattering into prisms of color, you're seeing God. When you see a rainbow in the sky, you're seeing God. When you see the incredible beauty of all those birds flying in a flock and they're moving around and they're dancing as if they're being conducted by a great conductor, you're seeing God. When you are seeing, look down on the beauty of a hurricane, even though it's very fierce, you look down and it's this beautiful combination of order and structure focusing on this little hole. When you see the rain falling in sleets, it's so beautiful. We're seeing God. And nature was put there and it was designed so that you and I would look at it, and everywhere we looked, we'd see God. And what's happening? We're destroying nature. Who's destroying nature? Being led by the spirit of destruction that is in the earth. Destroying everything that may in some way reflect back to us God. And God is saying, we are people of the parachute. We are people who see it as beautiful and try to fight for it. We see life as sacred, and we don't allow people to kill it in the womb. We see hope as something we should have based on the fact that we are loved by God, and you have not been forgotten. 
whole world may forget us. Our family may forget us. Our friends certainly will forget us. And, but God never will. We are never alone. So God is saying today, trust me. I've got the journey planned. But I, I feel to say this. There's people here, and I'm, it's not a, an indicting thing. It's just I think he says it to all of us. Choose who you're going to follow. Choose today. And I really think for some reason today is very important for some people. Choose today who you're going to follow. Because God will not have half measures. He gives us a very graphic example in the book of Revelation about what a half measure faith means to him. He calls it lukewarm. And in the letters in the book of Revelation, there were seven letters written, penned by God through the Spirit to the apostle at that time. John, they believe, wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote them down. And they were literal churches that existed at the time. We can still see the foundations of some of them. And, or the cities of some of them. And he said about Laodicea. He said something very interesting at the end of that letter. He said, you think you're rich, but actually you're quite poor. He said, you think you see, but you're actually quite blind. And he said, because you are neither hot or cold, meaning, "Ah, well, I kind of like it sometimes, and "Ah, not today when it comes to our faith. I'm kind of into it. I know what it's about, but I don't know. That's lukewarm. I think I'll try it. I think I won't. I think I'll do it. I think I won't. And we're skirting with the world all the time. And by the world, I mean with things that we know we shouldn't be around. We try to get as close as we can without actually sinning, right? Cause that lukewarm. And it's one of the more graphic examples of God's personality. It says, I will vomit you from my mouth. Now, I don't say that with any glee. I know I've heard it preached where you almost think that the pastor preaching it was happy to be saying something so harsh, but it is a warning to us that today is the day. Choose today who you're going to serve, whether or not you're going to trust that parachute, whether or not you are going to call on the Holy Spirit, whether or not you are going to follow God, because The journey is coming to an end, the earthly one anyway. And it says about the end of the earthly journey, it says, after you die comes judgment. It's in the New Testament. I believe it's in the book of Peter. I may be wrong. But it says, every man is destined to die and then judgment. And what is the judgment? The judgment is saying, who'd you follow? Who'd you follow? And God is just going to, if it is such a situation that we have determined to follow the other force instead of God's, he'll say, well, you can continue doing that right to there. And I don't think he does it with any ease, and I don't think he does it with any sense of joy. But trust that God is a righteous God. And he will cry, and he will call, And he will chase, and he will plead. 
He will do everything he can to get us to get serious about him. But once it's over, it's over. And so he will just allow you to have, he loves you so much, he'll let you have exactly what you want. We can, I shouldn't maybe call that love. He has to surrender to it because he made a covenant that he would not interfere with your free will. He made a covenant with you on that. So he's going to let you have it even though it's breaking his heart. And so God comes into a service on a Sunday morning in Fairview, Halifax, and says, come close. Come close. Why does he say that? Because he doesn't want that to happen. That's why. And we can get lulled into complacencies and scared into panics. And we can get frightened into disbelief. And all of a sudden it comes apart. God is saying, I've got a parachute for you this morning. I am with you and you're going to have a soft landing. (laughs) Some of us are feeling a little bump at times. But nonetheless, God is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives this morning. And, Father, for us here today, for any of us who have to make the decision to follow you more fully and to obey you more completely and to try more earnestly to enter into a deeper closeness with you, Father, for us here today that need to say yes to that, we do. Forgive us, Father, for our mediocrity at times. Forgive us for our lax way and not esteeming you as importantly as we should have. And Father, we thank you for that forgiveness that is put upon us right now through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, help us to have the strength to follow you more closely and to trust you more completely with the parachute. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. You are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good, eh? It's, it's amazing what he's saying. It's amazing. Of course, Jesus' message never changed that often. It's pretty well the same thing over and over again. And we are leaky vessels, right? And we need to hear it again. We need to be called again. So God knows what he's doing. Um, Let's uh, take up an offering. Uh, Okay, February 23rd, it's two weeks. We'll have our general meeting. And uh, uh, think about uh, membership too. Mm. Yes. Yes, there are people who love misery. They're very comfortable in misery. Whenever you talk to them, all they talk about is misery. They talk about problems. They're critical. They're always in arguments with people. They're always in in bitterness. Their bodies start to show it, and they actually will stay there because it's comfortable. It's what they know. And... Trying to come out of that can be scary. 
It, uh, it can, because that's, I don't know what people get from that. Well, I could, and I'm not a psychologist. We could go on all day about it. But we just know that there certainly is a step of faith that is t- that's needed to saying, I'm going to live my life differently now. I'm going to do it differently. I am actually going to do what I need to do to make it different. How many have ever walked into a gym for the first time? It's very intimidating. Like, it is. It's hard to because you're making a change. You're going into a place that you don't know how it works. You're trusting that this is going to work out okay, and you're going to be compared. Oh, my. But nonetheless, we have to do it. And uh, facing fear is one of the ways you know you're walking in God's direction. Yeah. Yes, they are all planned. It's a hard thing to believe because it looks like it's all chaos. But it is all planned in some strange way. And planned, there's a lot of dispute theologically about that word planned. Um, is It was known by God. It was known that it would happen. Uh, whether or not God orchestrated it all to happen, that's a big theological discussion right now. Yeah, I mean, the ability, we're so busy. It doesn't give you time to think. It doesn't give you time to have compassion. It doesn't give you time to do those things. So God, that's what's so important about faith and about church. It's At least you're stopping for an hour and a half, right? And you're thinking outwardly. So anyway, stuff is here. If you want prayer, we'll have prayer at the front. Uh, have a great week. Prayer tonight at 630. And uh, 